0: Colacini nearly got ahead on it. Chiote, great strike. Oh! It's an absolutely fantastic goal.
1: Would you believe it? Diva Carrigi. Palatelli. Aquero. Oh!
0: Staggering. Just staggering. Colacini oh. quickly. Rigi. Oh, can you believe this? Go,
2: go,
1: USA. New season. New intro. That's a surprise. So you, 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 can, you can take a breath now, Adam. <laughs> Told Adam we had a little surprise for him at the beginning of the, beginning of the show. It was, it was just that. Just a slightly revamped intro. Ian Gilmore, Adam Baker, DeMartin Download. No Luca today. He's got to take care of the, the scholarly activities. Of course. Can't, talk, can't knock him for that. Finish that quiz, get a good grade, and he's back next Tuesday. It's a big episode. Shorter episode, mini episode, but big episode. We've got a special episode, special guest all the way from College Park, Maryland, Brendan Hartlove. So Brendan, I I want our listeners to know who you are. So give us a little intro. Uh who are you? What do you do, especially with regards to soccer at Maryland? And and the big one, favorite TV show, and please elaborate on why it's Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that is absolutely my favorite TV show. Yes. Um, uh, we'll we'll start with that because it was fantastic. I've already watched it two and a half times, uh, but who's counting? And it, I remember when those commercials came out, and I think it was like 17 million views on YouTube. At yes, like the YouTube videos are so good. Uh, yeah, and that is probably my most quoted anything uh, of all time, especially mm-hmm. being in soccer and stuff like that. So, yes, fantastic show. I, it sounds like you guys have probably talked about this before, but cannot recommend enough. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm the – I don't always use this term, but the voice of Maryland men's soccer out here in College Park. I broadcast all the games on the Big Ten Network and on the radio. When I'm not doing it for the Big Ten Network, I also do a podcast called The Ludwig Lowdown, uh, basically very similar to what, what you guys do, just talking to the guys and breaking everything down. Uh, If you go back a little ways, I've been a lifelong Maryland soccer fan, pulling back the curtain and kind of ruining a lot of my journalistic morality in in that regard, (laughs) neutrality. But I grew up going to games at Ludwig Field and uh, just remember so many of those times when I was a little kid, just being there in the stands in high school. I was an honorary member of the crew, our supporters section that's behind the goal and Heckles the opposing team's goalkeepers Let's with go. absolutely no regard for emotions or anything, as you should. In um, that, say again,
1: as you should. That's the that's the duty yeah. of a of, oh, of a of a fan in a fan section.
2: Yeah, for sure. If you're not giving the goalkeeper, you know. With, they've chanted the goalkeeper's parents' phone number before uh, that, and called it to the point that the parents disconnected their phones. So there's a little fun fact for you on how relentless the crew can be. Um, and then funnily enough, when I got to College Park and got into broadcasting, I remember my freshman year saying I will never call Maryland men's soccer because I love it too much and never want to not be in the stands for it. And now here we are. Uh, obviously, I did not stick to that. I figured if I was going <laughs> to excel at broadcasting anything, it would be Maryland men's soccer. And then sophomore mm-hmm. year, when we won the, when Maryland won the 2018 National Championship, I flew out to Santa Barbara and still one of the highlights of my life, just being out there for that experience. And it really just has been the highlight of my four years in college, is, is working so closely with this team. And I, now being a senior, was very worried I wasn't going to have... A final season, and now it starts tomorrow, so I could not be more excited.
1: We're here. We're finally here. That 2018 season was very special throughout the Big Ten. Three of the the four teams in the Final Four, Big Ten teams. The year that MSU made a run to the Final Four. The year that Maryland didn't concede a goal in the entire NCAA tournament.
0: (laughs) So you just have a slightly different problem than Gilmore here. You came in as a Maryland fan. He came in as a Michigan fan, <laughs> coming to Michigan state, absolutely <laughs> so basically the same situation you
1: yeah, converted. similar, yeah, <laughs> no, they did, and very effectively now, I host a podcast about Michigan state and not uh not Michigan, um but Brennan, we're very happy to have you along and and we're really excited about this episode. Weather sucks outside, it snowed a a foot here this last week, so not no better time to play soccer um. This is, uh, we're going to preview the Big Ten season, especially focused on Michigan State, uh, Maryland, no international stuff today, we'll get back to that next week when Luca's back, recap these Champions League matchups from this past week, recap the MSU soccer matchups that are about to happen Friday and Saturday, so let's get right into it, MSU men's soccer, we're back, finally back, they play Rutgers tomorrow at Schoolcraft College, 1 p m uh, is kickoff time. Before you know me and Adam really get into it as well, Brennan, I want to I want to hear your take just as an outside uh view of Michigan State. What what do you see this team doing? Your general expectations and kind of uh wh- what's the mindset of someone looking at MSU from the outside in?
2: Well, when you talk about Michigan State, it's obviously a team that's been very strong in the Big 10 for a while now and one of those games that there's always a lot of hype around when another team, and in my case Maryland, facing off against them, and so I think that it's it's one of those things where obviously last year not the best year for Michigan State three twelve and three I believe right. it was and three four and one in conference play so not the typical Spartan season you would expect from the team but you know, it, it a down year happens. You can't be great all the time. And so I think that coming into this year, the expectations, I wouldn't even necessarily say they're lower because you had the down year. I think that probably at least elsewhere in the big 10, you're looking for Michigan state to come in with a chip on their shoulder this season and show that last year was last year, 2019 was a fluke. So I think that right before we recorded this, the preseason polls came out mm-hmm. for the big 10 and Michigan state coming in number five. I would say that's a pretty fair assessment based on last year, but I would not be surprised if they're pushing, you know, a little higher that for big 10 champions league spot. Um, but I think you guys have a lot of talent, especially with the likes of Jack Beck, Michael Miller, but, You lost some key pieces as well. When you look across the Big Ten, that's kind of the trend is that a lot of these teams, with how successful they are and how much talent the Big Ten produces, you lose a lot of those key guys from year to year. And I think you're going to see teams like Michigan State kind of struggle or at least have some questions about how they're going to fill those roles.
1: It's it's such an unorthodox year. We haven't seen these teams for pushing 16 months now. Um, Adam, when you look at this MSU team, one thing Damon Ransom really harped on today uh, in his press conference was that we don't know much about any of these teams, right? We haven't seen them for a year and a half. Um, one thing he really liked is that he's got six months extra to work with the freshmen coming in. And another thing, he's got six months extra to find new leaders on this team, right? Michael Watungu's gone. Patrick Nielsen's gone. Just Happy Baroni is gone. Nick Woodruff even is gone. Those are four guys that were leaders last season, uh, and and now he's had more time to find uh, kind of find those. Do, do you think after such a rough season, that's that's a that's a massive positive? Is he just he's just had time to work with these guys?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Because again, like we talked about in a previous episode, they didn't expect to have the absences they had last year. Baroni came in injured. I don't think anyone expected him to have a forty-five minute season. Al Jaheim started the season, couldn't finish the season, and just more pe- more players in that kind of situation. But now you have give the freshmen extra time. And going back to what Brendan said about coming in with a chip on their shoulder, that's an extra six months where the last game they played was a 2-1 loss to their in-state rival. Yeah, it's still in their mind. On top of the season they had. So right. I think everything adding up, should they should come into the season strong.
1: Uh, I think it's underrated, too. It, you know, the amount of time they head off. Every single guy that was injured should be back healthy, given the exception of Al-Algahim. Um, but they, they've had time to rehab um, and get back. Side note, too, Giuseppe broney was drafted. He's still rehabbing with the team. We won't see him with the team this year because once he's done with rehab, he's off to Montreal. Um, but one guy that they will really miss. A bunch of freshmen we're probably going to see tomorrow against Rutgers. What do you think is a legitimate expectation, even if, if there are any, for the first game that we've seen from them in a year and a half? I think
0: it's a semi-home opener. Obviously, they're <laughs> yeah. they're not at DeMartin with or fifty even, parents, the... or, or even in the city of East yeah. Lansing. But I mean, I think you really want to start the season off with a win. It's a team they had their one of their high points of last season, when they went to Rutgers, they won three nil. I don't can't, can't speak on their situation as much enough to how they're coming back with the right. same lineup or anything. But no, I definitely think you want to start the season with a win, really. And go back to last season, the preseason. They started off with back-to-back draws. You or not preseason, the non-conference openers. So you want to get get all of that behind you. Start the season off with a win again, especially being at home and Michigan soon on the schedule. So go into there yep. in positive territory in terms of your your win-loss record.
1: Rutgers, Michigan State's first win of the season last year, three nothing in Piscataway, New Jersey. Brennan, if say say you put yourself in Damon Rensing's shoes. Uh, you don't exactly know what your team looks like. Obviously, you probably know you're starting 11 by this point, but uh, we don't know how deep he's going to go. Uh, obviously, they want to win the first game, but if you're a head coach, what do you kind of want to take away from this? Is it, you know, just knock all the rust off and play well? Is it find uh, your cemented starting 11? Is it see what guys can come off the bench and make a difference? Uh, what's your thoughts there, Brennan?
2: I think, obviously, a lot of it will be figuring out what the lineup looks like because you haven't had the non-conference, you haven't had the exhibition games to tinker a little bit and find out your best combination. I think one of the biggest things is actually kind of going to be the mentality because you haven't played against anyone other than yourselves in pushing 15 months or so. And to get back into that competitive mindset, really, you know, it's been a long time. And, you know, in training and stuff, you're going against your teammates, so you maybe don't go in as hard on challenges. You don't, you know, run every ball down every time because there's not as much at stake. Obviously, you would like to think that practice, like, you play that kind of thing. But there's, you're not going to go in against your goalkeeper to win a header or something like <laughs> yeah. that and risk injuring one of your teammates. So now you're coming back into a game, and you have to find that balance again between having a competitive mentality – and finding that, not being too soft, but also not overcompensating, where you're trying too much and you're being too aggressive and making up for some of that lost time, this pent-up competitive nature that a lot of these guys might have. So using this first game to not only find the lineup, find the combinations, but get back into that rhythm of playing someone other than yourself, of not necessarily knowing every move that a guy's going to make, every tactic an opponent is going to throw at you, but having that mentality that's going to be needed Throughout
1: the rest of the season, MSU uh, beat Rutgers when they were ranked last year. Albeit, it wasn't necessarily an earned it ranking. It was Rutgers after they played their non-conference schedule uh, and were undefeated. Next Tuesday, Michigan goes—or excuse me, Michigan State goes to Michigan. Although that game will be closer to East Lansing than their their first home game will be. Uh, I'm just happy it's here. I'm happy we, we've got MSU soccer again.
0: Yeah, we can we we can eat up the hour drive as for uh for now until yeah, we'll take it. We'll take we'll see if it's the full season or not. but Regardless, we'll take it. Right.
1: Uh Damon Rensing mentioned today that after this first game at Schoolcraft College, uh the rest of the home games will either be at Lansing Catholic, hopefully, me and Adam have our fingers crossed for that, uh, or the Legacy Center in Brighton. Uh let's shift gears uh towards College Park, Ludwig Field and Maryland. So Maryland a team that's always Always good, no matter what. Sasha Stravsky, one of the best coaches in NCAA history, came fourth in the Big Ten last year. Then lost to Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. Made the big tournament and then lost to number four Wake Forest in the second round. We know, you know, <laughs> we talked about off years, Brendan. Maryland had an off year in 2018 when they went 9-8-2 and, eight, nine, eight and two or something like that in the regular season and then didn't give up a goal in the NCAA tournament and went on to, to win it. So do you see expectations as different for Maryland because we know they are perennially so good? Or does that, you know, not having played in a year and a half and not knowing what any of these teams might look like, is that still very much a factor for the Terps?
2: There's just so much uncertainty surrounding everything that it's, it's almost like, can you have expectations Mm. for a season that you don't know if every game's going to happen or the weather and COVID and stuff like that. So it's almost hard to pin those kinds of things on a team at the start. You obviously like to, and it's our job as journalists that we, we try to do that. And, but yeah, I would say for teams like Maryland, it's it's safe to have those expectations. You look at Indiana. They're in the poll today, unanimous, top of the Big Ten. I don't really think many people, maybe besides from Sasha, is going to try to argue that. Um, but you see these teams that year after year after year, even after having some down years and not going as deep in the tournaments as they would like to, you kind of retool, you come back, and you have had all this time in the offseason to work some things out and find who you are as a team. Before you come back. So when you look at Maryland, obviously, if you ask anyone on the team, the goal is the national championship. Yep. I think for most teams that's the case, but it's more likely for some teams compared to others. But the team's serious about that. Talking to the guys and to Sasha, that's obviously the goal. And Sasho's also made the point to win the College Cup. You have to win the COVID Cup, as he's <laughs> calling it, and uh, you know doing everything they can to make sure they have the best season because you can't live up. The expectations on the field if you can't live up to them off the field as well as handling the the pandemic and everything that goes with it
0: so you guys are right around the four or five matchup last year did that feel like almost like a a down year for you guys and not living up to expectation and what was kind of the thought around your guys' season overall last year
2: yeah last year was a bit of a roller coaster at times because you obviously we had a very difficult Non-conference schedule: Virginia losing at Audi Field to nothing. Maryland really didn't have much to say in that game at all. And then you come in the Big Ten openers against Northwestern, a team that they should be beating, and they end up losing, losing to Michigan after having a lead later in the season. So it was a lot of these games that quite didn't quite go the way Maryland would have wanted to, or maybe they would have gone in years past when they are that solid powerhouse team. And so yeah, it was a bit of a down year. I hesitate to say that because obviously, you know, finishing fourth is is nothing to scoff at. And the conference is difficult as the big 10, but yeah, I think there's definitely, they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder last year did not go the way that they would have wanted to. And so finishing four is not first. And if you're asking Sasha or anyone on that team, that's, you know, not the season that they're aiming for.
1: Obviously, team won't look uh the same as it did last season. I am not as versed as the guys who went out in the freshman class that looks in all, all that came in. Although that freshman class just on paper seemed to me like it was looking pretty good. Uh, I know Eric Matzalevich is one name that uh, still haunts this MSU team. Uh, the Big Ten Tourney 2018, uh, the, the winner in overtime. I know he's back. Um, So kind of just give us an overview of of what is happening, uh, an insider look at Maryland. You know, if they're playing uh, at home, you know, MSU's playing an hour away. Are they playing at Ludwig? Uh, What's COVID situations looking like? Who's back? Who are you looking to make an impact?
2: So they will be playing at Ludwig. uh, Every game that is not getting snowed out, we haven't even talked about what's going to happen if if snow plays a factor into it. Right. Um, This team – going all through the fall, did not have a single positive COVID case within the program. And that's a pretty big accomplishment. It's impressive. When you look at a lot of the teams throughout the country and a lot of other teams, frankly, at Maryland, uh, that maybe were fall sports teams that were training and things like that, a lot of them did have some, some outbreaks or had to pause at some point. I think Maryland only paused for five days for just a bit of a scare and nothing even came back positive. So just being you know, safe rather than sorry, but they have been very, very serious about this COVID situation and talking to a lot of the guys. And I've gotten to the point where it's not just them talking to the media and them being safe with what they say. They've said that, you know, we're not going out. We're just hanging with each other. And that's kind of how we're trying to be safe with things. They're not taking any risks who, when they found out that they had the chance for the season, they did not want to do anything that was going to jeopardize that. So On the COVID front, they have been very, very attentive and done everything that they possibly can because they don't want to have anything that could risk them playing the game that they love. Um, Moving on to the field, there's, in complete transparency, there's still a lot of question marks that need to be answered because Mm. from that 2019 season, you have lost your starting center back and one of your captains, Johannes Bergman. You've lost your starting holding midfielder and one of your captains in Eli Cronali you graduated a couple other pieces here and there. Those are the two most crucial players. And then you have the twins, Matt and Benderosa, who were both just drafted to the MLS a couple weeks ago as well. That's your starting right and left back. Mm-hmm. So you've now had three of your four positions on the back line completely upended. Now, I will tell you that Ben who's who was drafted by NYCFC, is going to play the first two games for Maryland. With the start of the MLS season being pushed back a little bit, Ben's going to stay, get some game time, and is eligible for these first games against Penn State and Ohio State. So that's a question that's answered, but only for two games. You then have a lot elsewhere on the field. Goalkeeper situation is kind of unique because Nicholas Neumann, who was part of that goalkeeping battle that Maryland had last year, when the pandemic started and was not getting good in the United States, he elected to stay home in his native country of Germany and join his old club there. And he played a couple friendlies for them. And when he found out that Maryland was going to be having a spring season, they started the process of trying to bring him back. Now, since he played in a couple of those friendlies, eligibility, that kind of thing, he's going to have to sit for the first three games of this season. So you have him back, but only after three games. I'm not going to go through every position because we could be here forever. (laughs) And there's still a lot that is up in the air. Um, But when you look at some of the key players in this team, there's, a lot riding, I think, on the back line. And will the Terps be able to keep the ball out of the back? Net? Brett St. Martin, a guy that was just named to uh, Big Ten preseason players to watch list. He's a junior center back, kind of the only returning member from the back line when you look at it aside from Ben DeRosa. Nick Richardson's a guy that's played the holding midfield last year and was phenomenal there. When Sasha recruited him, you recruited him more as a center back, right back. But be- or Nick can play anywhere across that back line or in the holding midfield. And with the turnover, I would place money on us seeing him as a member of that back line. Could be at center back, could be at right back. They very well could play him at left back as well, despite that being his, his weaker foot. But a lot of questions to answer there. There's been some injuries to guys in the back um, that do not help them there. They're waiting to hear on eligibility for a freshman coming in from Germany. Actually, played for Bayern Munich's Academy and has played with Manuel Neuer and Franck Ribery, So a bit of a feather in his cap there, um, but we're hoping to know by Friday night, if that's even, if he's going to be eligible, the back is a lot in question. You move up the field a little bit and a little bit more is figured out there. You'll have Brian Padilla back who tore his ACL about midway through last season was having a phenomenal year. Just one of the most creative players on Maryland's roster and it was tough to see him go down and warm-ups ahead of Rutgers. His left foot is magical. Free kicks, set pieces, outside the foot curlers from 30 yards. The kid can, can really do it all. So they get him back. And then elsewhere you have Malcolm Johnston, who's a guy that Sasho says they just need him on the field. He can play so many different positions anywhere in that midfield three, whether it's the holding midfield or the box-to-box or the 10 so expect to see a lot from him as well. And then that third piece in the midfield is kind of up for grabs. Uh, that'll be something that Sasha looks to figure out in the first couple of games as well. You mentioned Eric Matvitch when you move into the top the front line, Sasha called him Mr. Maryland last week, <laughs> and that is very, very true. Eric is the hardest working college soccer player I have ever seen, and that's not a Maryland bias i watched a lot of college soccer, and I firmly stand by that. He is a workhorse and leaves everything out on the field. He's going to be wearing the armband again this year as well. Now, the interesting part of that front line is I don't know if it's going to be a front three and a 4-3-3 or a front two and maybe a 4-4-2, and I don't necessarily think Sasha knows the answer to that question either. Um, but you get Paul back, who is a guy who has a fantastic story that's been pretty well documented, And he has not taken the field since Santa Barbara, Mm. which is December 2018. So he won the national championship, was coming into his senior year, and in 2019, the first morning of the first day of preseason, tore his ACL. And this is the guy that has battled depression and mental illness and has come back from that stronger. And so he's come back stronger from this torn ACL as well. So he'll be probably on the right side for the Terps. And they got Jason Russell Rowe, who's a freshman from the Canadian youth national teams in the Toronto FC Academy, and they are very high on him. He is a great goal scorer, can put the ball in the back of the net in a lot of different ways. Six one, strong, quick, creative. And so seeing how he is played with Eric Matslevich either paired in a front two or with either Matslevic or Russell Rowe out on one of the wings is a question I will be watching for tomorrow night. But Yeah, there's a lot of options, a lot of depth on this team. There's, like I said, some injuries that are already testing this depth. And you're going to have guys coming in and out during the season with Benderosa leaving, Nicholas Noyman coming into the cage, presumably after three games. And so if the Terps can kind of weather that storm early on and build some consistency and answer the other questions on the field, I think those other question marks won't be too big in the long run.
1: Right. Um, You know, you said, of course – Every team, but but more, of course, Maryland wants to challenge for that number one spot in the Big Ten, and that, that's a spot that they probably think they should be in every year. But I'm going to put you on the spot uh, and tell you to, to make a prediction of where they end up. Hopefully we get all through these ten games for every single team. Um, and assuming that's the case, where do you think they end up? That's
2: a very good question. And then I don't know if the bias of the preseason polls are necessarily playing into this as well. Indiana is obviously very strong yep. and I feel like you can never talk about Maryland finishing in the big Ten without talking about where Indiana is. <laughs> in the big Ten. That is just the game every single year and they won't meet until the final game of the regular season. I, I think that was intentional. Year, I'm pretty sure that
1: really, big 10 made sure that was the last game of the year.
2: Oh yeah. Marquee matchup to finish out the regular season slate. So that's something they're looking forward to and they're, Using these games to build towards that so that they're peaking at the right time when they meet Indiana. Indiana has lost some crucial players as well. And I wouldn't say, don't quote me on this, they have like 20 some underclassmen on their team. There's a lot of new faces and young faces on that Indiana team. But it's Indiana. Todd Yeagley knows what he's doing, he knows how to use these new faces and incorporate them. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily a negative for the Hoosiers, but that means there's some uncertainty for the Hoosiers. So they're always, the Indian is always going to be at the top. I would say Maryland is probably going to finish in the two to three range. I think that they have the personnel on this team to be able to have a very solid season. And if they beat the teams they're supposed to be, which, you know, by Maryland standards is most of the teams in the conference. I think that they very well could end up in that two to three range Maybe pushing one, I I don't want to seem like the Maryland homer and and say that they're going to finish top. I think there is still a lot of questions surrounding this team. When there's only 10 games in the season, that's that's not a lot of room to work with. Like we said, you don't have the exhibitions and the non-conference to work out things before it really matters. So if they can figure out those question marks and figure them out quickly, you're looking at a one to three range. But I would probably put them, Around two or three, because Indiana is just, it, they're going to be strong year in, year out.
0: Adam? Yeah, Penn State's coming in as the number three favorite in the preseason poll. That's your opener. How you feeling about having a pretty tough match at the start, and can we get an early score prediction out of you? Oh,
1: asking score predictions right away.
2: Oof. score predictions, something I typically shy away of, and almost more so with this game, because Maryland had a 2 nothing lead at Penn State last year. And lost it three to two. So that was something that nobody expected at all. Um, I would probably say a draw for tomorrow night. Uh, I think Penn State is certainly on the rise, and Sasha has talked very, very highly of the program that they're building there. And it's not necessarily that you know they're one of the ones you kind of write off on on the schedule and just pencil it in as a W in the score column, but they're a tough first test for Maryland and something they are not taking likely at all. They're going to be playing that game inside. That plays a factor as well. And just turf first of all, yeah. and just a different setup entirely. So if making a score prediction is probably going to be a tie, I would say one, one or two, two. Um, I think there's goals in this team. I don't necessarily know if they'll be able to keep the ball out of the back of the net early on, but just so many new faces, in the lineup and you have a freshman goalkeeper coming in for at least these first three games and Jamie Lowell, and he's six foot four, but there's some questions surrounding his distribution and decision-making and things like that. As there is with any freshman goalkeeper, it's not a knock on him. It's just coming into the big 10 like that. So when you look at his first collegiate game against the preseason number three team um, and just a young, not necessarily cohesive back line just yet, I could see some goals getting conceded, but I think the Terps can probably match that as well.
1: That um, The preseason poll conducted um, a poll of the Big Ten coaches. So not media, coaches. That's how the coaches see the uh, standings rounding out. And they also dropped the players-to-watch list today uh, from Maryland. Paul Ben, Matt Calevich, and Brett St. Martin from Michigan State. Jack Beck, Michael Miller, from Tatu, bland selections, I think I can say. You're not gonna, you know, cause any waves with those. Uh I think there's only one freshman on this entire list, um, which was what I would go with Vidad Kovac. That that's just me. You know what? I could be totally wrong with my Vidad Kovac take too. Like he, he could struggle or not play that much or any other thing, but I am expecting big things from him. Nothing
0: wrong with a big preseason, a bold prediction. Yeah. Gotta have them. Yeah, you
1: do. Uh real quick, Brennan, so um MSU women Play Maryland on Saturday, funny enough. Uh, no Luca in our studio today, so no expert analysis from our side. But, um, you know, kind of just give us a, a brief overview of, of Maryland's team. You know, MSU struggled last season, especially in the Big Ten. Um, what do you see, uh, you know, what's that matchup sort of looking like, at least on the Maryland side?
2: Well, I will never claim expert analysis for our women's team as well. I, it's a team I've obviously called and worked with as well and have followed pretty closely. But, you know, Turks Terps, are on the rise. They had their best season last year in the Big Ten, finishing 9, 8, and 3, and first ever trip to the Big Ten tournament. So they went 5-5-1 five, five, and one in league play and finished 6th in the conference. Um, but that was the highest Maryland had ever finished in the Big Ten. So they return a lot of key players as well. Alyssa Porch is back as their leading goal scorer from last year. She was second team all Big Ten. And then they return another forward in Michaela Days. And Malique Days, her twin sister, returns in the back as well. So they're on the rise. This is Ray Leon's fifth season now. Things are starting to come together. The recruits are starting to pan out. And this is a team that's gaining momentum. And so I think that, again, the same things all completely apply to the yes. women's team as they do with the men's game. And having not played for so long, having this offseason, playing no one but yourselves, um, but with Maryland, there's excitement. There's a lot of reason to be encouraged by the direction that this team is going in. So I think going against Michigan State in this first game is obviously it's, it's a game they want to win in a game. They're probably pretty confident that they can win, that they're possible of doing that, that maybe a couple of years ago they didn't have that confidence in themselves just because they're kind of struggling in the Big Ten. But coming off of last year and being such a strong year, and that Big Ten tournament, the first one ever for the Terps, that's pretty fresh in the mind. So it's almost like the opposite of a chip on their shoulder. It's that they're encouraged. They have that fire under them that they they have the belief that they can make some noise in the Big Ten this year.
1: Good to know. It's going to be an exciting matchup there. I mean, MSU has some excited pieces as well. Um, So that one on Saturday, MSU versus Rutgers tomorrow night, as well as Maryland versus Penn State. Brennan, we really appreciate you coming on, and you'll you know you'll probably be a a, a a a guest in the future. I mean, MSU plays Maryland a week or excuse me, a month from tomorrow in College Park, March nineteenth. So again, thanks for coming on. We really enjoyed having you, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's it's really nice being able to talk Big Ten soccer with people that have the same passion and knowledge because. It's not always the most common being a little bit more no. of a niche sport in the college landscape. So anytime I get the chance to talk about college soccer, Big Ten soccer, Maryland soccer, I'm always here. And, yes, we will absolutely be doing this again probably in about a month's time.
1: That sounds good. Ludwig Lowdown, DeMartin Download crossover. It's going to be good stuff. Final thoughts? Yeah, man.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so a great podcast name, Ludwig Lowdown. Similar, uh, right. same dynamic as DeMartin Download. Yeah. Al- almost Almost It's like a, it's like almost as good. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Come on now.
1: Hey, he was nice. He came on ours. Don't, don't knock his show down. Nah, it's like a tongue twister, <laughs> like a slight tongue tongue twister. A little a little bit down, low down. down. A little bit low down. There was, there was
2: a lot of thinking that went into naming that show. I uh, knew it. Obviously, wanted to be specific to Maryland. Yes. And, but not too on the nose. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too on the nose.
1: I don't um, think, I don't think stadium names. Experience. I think stadium names are, a, are a good place. So to go with Podcast podcast. We, we definitely have to say that. I, least, yeah, I mean, we have to, right? <laughs> That's good, though. Adam, any final thoughts before we say goodbye?
0: Uh, I mean, nothing too much to say. Hopefully, in a month's time, when we're talking about the upcoming match, it won't be the rainbow that it was last year. And yes. It's a normal Dude, game, was, not a... That was insane. Stop the game
1: before overtime, or <laughs> yeah. extra time. Yeah, if it, if it is tied after monsoon. 90,
0: we'll see... Oh. We'll actually see the game finish out this time.
1: I'm not sure what the odds are like on it being tied after 90. <laughs> yeah, hey, who knows? If we'll we'll be halfway in the season by then.
0: Anything could change in a, a month's time.
1: Yeah. Big win for your boys yesterday.
0: Very. Massive. Disappointing goal to give up at the end, but I mean, I came into the game saying- Three just, away goals. Yeah, I came in saying just don't lose in Spain, and they scored three goals to end the first half. Three, three, three goals unanswered, and yeah, I can't complain about anything. Yeah.
1: Well, DeMartin Download back next Tuesday. Uh, Tentatively, we're going to put a little asterisk by that because MSU does play Michigan that day, and we are not uh, certain of the time of that game yet. Uh, We usually record at 3 p.m. on Tuesdays. Hopefully we can drop that episode uh, before that game happens. Regardless, thanks for coming along. We're glad you're listening. Join us next time, and we hope, as always, that you have found this episode to be, in the great words of Ray Hudson, Magisterial. Join us next time.